You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills, and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. In 2008, I gave up my 20-year career as a fashion buyer because I was disillusioned with how much was being sourced overseas, and I set out to uncover some of the amazing businesses that are still making in the UK. Since founding Make It British, I've discovered that there is not only still tons of manufacturing taking place in Britain, but that it's a thriving industry. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be chatting to inspiring British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering advice to product-based businesses that make in the UK. So with no further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome to episode number 213 of the Make It British podcast. So this week I've got a guest on the show. I'm chatting with Chris Kiriakou, who has just launched a brand, an athleisure brand nonetheless, called Soma Sportswear. Now, Chris and I worked together back in 2019. That seems like ages ago. That's pre-pandemic. When Chris got in touch because he was looking for help with finding manufacturers and developing a unique fabric for his sustainable sportswear brand. So in this episode, Chris is going to talk us through why he set up the brand, how he's developed a really innovative fabric, which actually includes silver. It's totally unique. And I helped find him a UK fabric manufacturer that could do that for him. So he's going to talk through what the process was of developing that special fabric and also how long it took him to launch this brand, given the fact that we've had a pandemic and Brexit in the middle. So here you go. Here's my chat with Chris from Soma Sportswear. Chris, hello. Welcome to the Make It British podcast. Morning, Kate. Thank you for having me on the show. It's a pleasure. So um, we're going to talk today about the launch of your athleisure brand, Soma Sportswear. Do we call it athleisure? Do you think of it as an athleisure brand? or a- I mean, athleisure, sportswear, you, it all comes under the same box, I guess. So why did you decide to start an athleisure brand and what were you doing before? What was your day job? So, um, I have run a social media agency for the last eight to nine years, basically, uh, predominantly working with FMCG e-com brands. We work with a real mix of businesses ranging from health and leisure to luxury retail, all the way through to product or food-based brands. Yeah, because I'm thinking, to do with- people probably listening to this, some people might not know what FMCG stands for. Yes, so... F- Fast-moving consumer goods, basically. So anything that moves quickly, that people buy quickly. Supermarket and, um, stuff, basically. Yeah, but also sort of uh, very standard consumer goods like uh, clothes or, or food and, or electronics, potentially. So um, it's quite a wide range of, of, of products, basically. But specifically e-com brands that focus on FMCG. So um, the last sort of eight to nine years, I've really worked with a real mix of brands from um, startups through to market leaders. So I've learned so many challenging um, issues and problems that we've, we've encountered over the years in terms of what startups deal with or even what market leaders deal with from both the marketing side of things and just from a business side of things as well. Um, and then back in 2019, I, ha- I had the idea to sort of um, create more of a sustainable sportswear brand. The reason being 
is um, at the time there was all these sort of emerging sportswear athleisure brands that didn't really stand for anything. A lot of them were really poor quality, um, made out of really cheap products with with um, really bad ethics and and exploiting sort of um, extremely low workers in 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 remote countries. Um, so I wanted to launch a brand that went against everything that that stood for, and basically um, had sort of all the interests of the consumer at heart so, basically so who is the brand aimed at then soma sportswear so, who's it for so at the minute the way we've designed the fabric is specifically to um cater to the mobility market so people that have got interest within yoga and pilates so basically the products itself feel amazing on your skin with regards to um stretching, doing yoga flows, Pilates flows, for example. Um, so we're trying to go after the mobility market, basically. Anybody that likes to do sort of Pilates and yoga classes at home, in the gym, at a studio, um, basically. Brilliant. So you got in touch with me because you were look, looking for some help to work with UK manufacturers because you wanted this brand to be made in the UK. Before we started working together on that, where had you got to and how had it been going? What have been the challenges? Oh, it was an absolute nightmare. Um, so basically, as you'll find, a lot of manufacturers don't like replying to emails. Um, they do if they, can't, nearly, they come from me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, cold emails, they, they will yeah. never reply to. Uh, so you kind of need a referral um, or recommendation. Um, and then just searching through them through Google is nearly impossible, uh, basically. I mean, a lot of these... Uh, manufacturers have really, really traditional old websites. Or no um, website. With, or no website with um, literally non-existent SEO presence. So um, it's really, really challenging to sort of get in contact with uh, manufacturers. I had a few f- recommendations from friends who worked in the industry, but that was very limited. So that's when one of my friends put me in contact with yourself and it was amazing because Kate provided basically a list of about, what, 10 manufacturers well, in the UK. And I also encouraged you to go and visit them all, didn't I? Yes, exactly. So I, th- I thought, at the very least, it'd be a great learning experience, right? So I visited about six of these on the list. So I went all the way to Nottingham, Leicester, and there was three or four in London, which was quite convenient. Um so it was an amazing experience. Uh, two or three in Leicester I visited, actually. Uh, one in Nottingham, three in uh, London. So it was an amazing experience because, obviously, I'm more traditionally from a marketing background. Yeah. So to, to sort of from a, to see that sort of first-hand textiles process was just really sort of eye-opening and gave me a really great understanding firsthand of what I needed to do and how I needed to do it. And just to meet the, the real people on the sort of the front line so to speak. Yeah, I was going to say, so how did you feel that first time you walked into a factory coming from a marketing background, first time you'd ever been to a textile or garment factory before? First of all, I couldn't believe how many, that there were factories like this in the UK. I was like, I I thought this stopped years ago. Um, I couldn't believe that people were still making stuff in the UK. Um, So that was one one of my biggest shocks, to be fair. Um, But just, I always ask for sort of tours around um, every factory I visited just to sort of learn and see how they're set up. And they're all set up completely differently. Um, 
so yeah, that was that was super fun to be honest, and just meeting loads of different people, loads of different characters. Um, <laughs> yeah, because these sort of manufacturers, these 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 people that own these factories and man, um, warehouses are just quite usually quite big characters. So um, that was great fun, sort of managing those and working with different personalities was super enjoyable. So and some of them had some amazing stories to tell over the last 30, 40 years of working in the industry and how it's just changed so much and kind of gone full circle now. So especially with Brexit and stuff. So it was super, super interesting. One of my trips was just I came back from driving home from and I was just just absolutely amazed with um Brilliant. I love it. And because, so your your product's made from a really innovative fabric. So do you want to talk everyone through what that is, what benefits that has to the wearer and how you went about getting that developed? Because it's totally unique, yeah, isn't so, it? So I wanted to launch something completely unique that wasn't really out there at the minute. And um, every step of the supply chain has been designed to be as sustainable as possible. So um, our first step is making the fabric here in the UK which took nearly two years to achieve. So the reason being is we created a fabric that wasn't currently on the market. So we basically created a fabric using beech tree fiber. So micromodal, which was, it comes from wood pulp, which is super sustainable, harvested from sustainable trees in Austria. And then we're using the wood pulp infused with um, 8% pure, or 99% pure silver, which um, consists of 8% of our fabric, basically. Um, so eight so, percent. Uh, slow down on that one because I think people need to hear <laughs> that your fabric is eight percent silver. So that's actually silver yeah, but, yarn. Yeah, exactly. Which is ninety nine percent pure silver, basically. So um, extremely natural, um, straight from Mother Nature itself. Um, and then we've we've had to whack in twelve uh, percent lycra, which isn't sustainable. But essentially, with any a pleasure that for that's the stretch, the only way you, you can add the stretch. In, yeah, uh, the four way stretch essentially. Um, and then the next step is basically our manufacturing, which is, is, is done in London locally. So the reason being for that is we wanted to keep carbon emissions to a pure minimum. So we don't want to, we don't, we don't want to have something made in China, then shipped all the way to London and then sent out across the world to our consumers. And we wanted to have as lowest carbon, carbon footprint as possible, basically. And at the same time, having that manufacturing process locally in London, allows us to have a real close eye on the ethical working environment of our workers, which I feel you don't really get if you're manufacturing in the likes of China, Sri Lanka, India, Pakistan, etc. So just having that convenience of being able to visit the factory 45 minutes away, being able to pop in whenever you want, is kind of where the real value lies. The fabric's made here locally in London. There's obviously some wastage, of the fabric, so we ensure that there is a completely 100% zero waste strategy involved with our production process. So all wasted fabric goes towards making uh, hand wraps for boxing, ah. face masks, of face masks obviously, and then any smaller scraps and pieces go towards recycled carpet. So oh, wow. trying to be as, as sustainable as possible with every step of the supply chain, and then obviously this this is the the final sort of the next step is our packaging process when we send it out to the consumer or the customer, um, which is obviously one hundred percent recyclable and made from recycled materials, using as limited amount of inserts as possible in the packaging. So what you find with a lot of luxury brands will actually just ha- have so much sort of 
like uh, fancy paper in in the packaging that's very excessive and does, doesn't need to be done really and a lot of it is is um, not great for the environment so we wanted to keep the packaging process as simple as possible using just recycled packaging which has been previously recycled and is recyclable going forward I think it's pretty straightforward a lot of brands are really using a similar sort of material these days and then to complete the life cycle because obviously 80% of the fabric comes from um, trees so to complete the product life cycle, we then plant two trees as a way of, sort of giving back to Mother Nature. So our kind of whole mission is global reforestation through slow fashion. So we've got quite a high price point at the moment, purely to convince consumers to spend more on less, basically, to help combat a lot of the issues we have involved with fast fashion and fast fashion being the third biggest polluter worldwide, basically. Yeah. So convincing people that they don't need to buy five or six uh, pieces of athleisure every two or three months as opposed to buying maybe w one or two pieces once or twice a year, basically. That will last them a lot longer by, by investing in that quality, basically, will, will help sort of everything we're sort of geared towards achieving, basically, in terms of uh, yeah. slow fashion. Yeah, we we'll hope you're with you on that. Buy less of better quality, without a doubt. So let's take a step back again. You said um, you had the idea in Twitter. I'm trying to get an idea of the timeline. Yes. Well, I know what it is, but I want you to talk people through. Because yes. I get people contacting us at Make It British all the time saying, oh, I want to launch a new brand. You know, I want to launch a new athleisure brand. And I'd like to, and it's January and I want it out for April. And you're like... <laughs> Three don't, months. Don't okay. What stage are you at? So you first had the idea in 2019. Do you want to just sort of talk yeah. through what the timeline was? Because you launched then at the end of 2021, <sighs> didn't you? Yeah. I mean, it took about a year's worth of going back and forth with the manufacturer with um, regards to the R&D. For the, the fabric. Research and development to, to come up with a fabric that met the requirements we wanted to meet. Because it was 100% bespoke fabric it was very hard to get sort of the ratios right in terms of silver to beech tree fiber to lycra um, to make it to a point where it was, it was perfect for, for the market we wanted to target basically. So that was the hardest challenge which took over, yeah, just just over a year to be honest. And then we had all sorts of issues with um, COVID. A lot of our yarn got stuck. Of stuck. course. Coming out because the yarn would in, be imported over, wouldn't it, from yeah. Europe. It, it, exactly. So that, that was a big issue. That got stuck for about three months. Um, and then we thought we had the patterns correct for the garments. But then there's just all, always small changes you want to make to get the product perfect before launching. So that took another eight, eight months. And then the fact that we had um, a lot of issues with other clients, which sort of really impacted um, the speed of our, of our supply chain. So basically every, everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong, <laughs> um, which has taken... Uh, which has been the reason why it's taken so yeah, long. Yeah, because you were up against COVID, Brexit, so those for everyone, even a business oh, yeah, that was already exactly. established. So, And you were developing COVID, your own fabric. Brexit, a new fabric, um, running a social media agency at the same time. Um, but would you... Investor, investors pulling out, um, every, everything possible, basically. So how would you do it differently if you did it again? Oh... Good question. Um, Is there anything, any tips you would give someone if they were thinking of launching an athleisure brand, for instance? What would yeah. you advise to them to do if they if they came to you and said, "Right, I want to launch a brand in three months' time"? Firstly, how long would you tell them to 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 that would actually take? 
Um, I would recommend my first recommendation would be to, to make sure you create something 100% bespoke because there's just so much competition out there. So it'd be come up with something innovative and unique to, to who you're trying to target and um, the type of brand you want to create basically. So um, that'd be the first first and foremost step. And then once they've done that, then I think it, it's important to, to, to then take into consideration how long it will make and, and then uh, the pros and cons involved with, the costs involved with that, the length and time for that. So I think there's just so many variables involved. It, every, every case would have to have to be very sort of um, case by case I agree basis. with you. It is a case by, it is a ah. bit of a how long is a priest of string question. So it wasn't really as a trick question to you, but I think you've, what yeah. you've just basically answered there is it's difficult to answer how long it will take because it depends on so you, many variables. Exactly. And you probably get asked this question about a hundred times, right? So, so I wanted to ask you and see what you said, yeah, having yeah. been through it over the last two years. Yeah, I mean, if if you don't, if you're doing it on it, it's very very hard if you do it on your own. So I, I would recommend partnering with the right people, giving yourself the, a good foundation to start off before sort of really venturing in, into the unknown. Which which. So you launched at the end of what? When did you launch in 2021? And talk me through the process of the actual launch from a marketeer's perspective. Yeah. So because our investor pulled out, our budget just com- completely depleted basically. Um, so um, we launched in December 2021, so basically December just gone, uh, was when the website was fully functional um, with our first batch, basically. Uh, we launched with five styles, so we liked across three different colours. So we wanted to keep it quite simple and straightforward, but um, going back to your original question, I think um, one recommendation would be to just focus on just one or two styles and not get too um, carried away with, with more than that. Just focus on, on doing those correctly as opposed to um, five styles, which I think at the time I thought wasn't a lot, but I think thinking about it now is quite a lot. I did really. try and say to you, Chris, just keep it simple. Yeah, the, the, the thing is they're, they're very similar styles. They're just slight variations. So we've got sort of the long sleeve top and then a short sleeve top. So it's a very similar pattern. And then for, for the women's shorts and leggings, it's basically the leggings, but then um, a version where it's cut off just above the knee as well so that's essentially two styles but then essentially you're using one pattern that's just been slightly edited uh basically and then we have obviously the sports bra and then men's performance shorts so it's kind of very much like a base layer that's this is sort of one that i'm wearing now brilliant so it's basically very good for sort of winter in terms of sort of wearing it underneath um a t-shirt or or jumper etc um or sort of longer longer shorts um basically um and what is so it just feels amazing on the skin it's five times softer i was gonna say than, uh cotton yes yeah the benefits of the silver in the fabric what are the benefits of the silver in the fabric then so having silver in anything helps from an antibacterial and anti-odor um side of things so technically the uh, the more you sweat the less bad it will smell in comparison to other fabrics like polyester or um, nylon, etc., or cotton. So um, the benefits of silver aren't really unparalleled compared to any other sort of um, fiber that's out there. And it's really underutilized because it's just such an expensive um, yarn, basically. And we've put in more in our in our clothing than any other sort of fabric that we've come across in the world basically so um, we like to think that's going to be a big usp unique selling point going forward then having the bedow in there helps from um, a breathable side of things so it's very similar to bamboo um it's cut from the same family of trees um so it's extremely breathable on your for your skin and it's also five times softer than cotton basically so it just feels amazing basically you just don't want to take it off 
it's perfect for pleasure. It's perfect for sort of mobility, Pilates, yoga, etc. Moving about, and it just absorbs sweat really well. So the comfort is is zero to none basically. Coming back to the silver sort of um, quantity, that's that's uh, it's been sort of proven by so many scientific studies, um, and we're currently doing our own research and studies with University College of Fashion in London just to further emphasise and support that evidence that is out there, but specific to our, our brand is, and our fabric. Is there anyone else, Chris, out there making athleisure with a fabric that includes silver? There are a few few brands, um, one big brand, but they're like literally less than 1%, so so low that it's not even cast as, it's not even in their uh, product label. But at the same time, they still sort of market it as... as using pure silver um so yeah there's it can be quite frustrating when you when you come up with sort of competitors like that but yeah we just need to sort of believe in the product and and just keep going with the marketing really so what has been the response from people that have tried the product so far so the response has been great to be honest we've had people buy a range of our styles the most popular actually has been the biker shorts which has been quite interesting so the leggings have kind of come at quite higher price points so this as an entry um product the biker shorts are perfect basically super comfortable perfect length a lot of yoga instructors pilates instructors have been wearing them and they've said they're literally the most comfortable shorts that they've worn for pilates and yoga hopefully they're not just saying that to keep me happy (laughs) um uh, but yeah i I personally love i mean it's it's it's, i'm gonna always be biased but the shorts are super super comfortable for me so um i just literally urge as many people out there to just try try as many um yeah, try, you have to try products. them to believe them. Yeah, you just have to try it. Yeah, try it to believe it, basically. And just sweating, even just the sweating it and, and wear it a few days, a couple of days in a row and just see that it just won't smell as bad as your other clothes. So that's, I suppose, in a way, is also another good feature because everyone's being encouraged to wash their clothes less because it uses less water, it's less bad for the environment. So any clothes that you don't have to wash every single time. And I suppose gym wear, particularly with, like you say, the majority of it being made from polyester, which not only gets sticky, but it's it's all the kind of you know plastic that it's made from i mean also yeah a lot lot of gym wear brands are launching now and using a recycled polyester basically or it's uh, still polyester from fish from from fishing nets and what people don't realize is every time you wash um wash these it reduces releases microplastics which goes straight into our drains straight into the sewers straight into the oceans and not only are we consuming that through water but obviously the ocean environment are consuming it as well and that, then that just goes straight back into our bodies so it's, it's probably one of the worst fabrics out doesn't there doesn't need to be washed every time yeah and when it does get washed it doesn't release microplastics so it's a win-win um so yeah it's just sort of edu- that education process that we need to really get across in our marketing communications really yeah brilliant so where can people find soma sportswear if they want to find you, Chris. So you can follow us on Instagram first, uh, Soma Sportswear. Um, that's S-O-M-A and then Sportswear. And then our website is simply somasportswear.com. So um, Soma actually means body in Greek. So we want to communicate to our audience that it's all about looking after your body and the environment um, sort of comes into that as well. And then it stands for Sustainable Original Moral Athleisure, basically. So. Every every sort of step has just been designed to be sustain to communicate all of our sustainable um, steps in our journey, basically. 
Amazing. Fantastic. Chris, that's really cool. So final question, what is the future for Soma Sportswear then? Who would you hope would be the ideal person that would be wearing it going forward? Yeah, so um, our, our priority is really building up the brand and the brand equity. So we don't want to we, we don't want to sort of discount a product or cheapen a product by offering loads of offers out there, etc. So we really want to sort of focus on the brand building side of things to sort of build a brand that people really value and really have got a lot of credibility and authentic, authenticity and transparency behind. Um, so our priority is, is purely to sort of just be as transparent and, and honest as possible with our consumers uh, and, and build up a rep- reputable brand targeting mostly the Pilates and yoga in the um, markets to start with and then sort of we want, really want to specialise in sort of the mobility market as we touched on earlier but also um, that would give us a solid foundation to then sort of put R&D behind other areas of the business and to target potentially newer markets so we've got a few ideas which we'd like to do we're really impressed with what Pangea have done from a, a loungewear point of view so our, our aim and target is to really be kind of a pleasure alternative um, to Pangea basically brilliant fantastic but I like to think we're, we're more sustainable. sustainable yeah exactly yeah fantastic so it's somasportswear.com and any questions anyone who has feel free to slide into our DMs on Instagram uh, drop me an email drop me a line and we're more than happy to sort of answer any questions people have that's an offer people can't refuse slide into your DMs right brilliant Chris <laughs> <laughs> take care thank you great to have you bye cheers Kate thank you for listening to the Make It British podcast I make an episode every Friday plus there's bonus episodes occasionally Many of the interviews that you hear on Series 4 of this podcast are also available to watch on our YouTube channel. You can find it by going to youtube.com forward slash Make It British LTD. That's Make It British with the letters LTD. Bye bye.